Hello and welcome to the Align and Thrive podcast. I'm your host. My name is Emily Taylor. And this week's episode, we are digging into meditation. Now, meditation has become a regular part of my practice, a regular self-care ritual. And it's something that has just really changed my life. It's changed how I think. It's changed how I respond. And it's also become a time that I really dedicate to my own mindset and going inward. And meditation really is that practice of detachment where we are starting to observe our thoughts without necessarily engaging with them. So to start off this episode, I want to dig into just my own personal journey with meditation, when it was introduced to me, my experiences with it, and just how that has evolved and also how I have made this a sustainable habit for myself, because that's always a barrier. How do we integrate these practices in a way that we can actually maintain? Now, my first experiences with meditation started in maybe 2013. So 2013, I started to become really involved in my own yoga practice, in my own spirituality and my own mindset work as well, that it was really a phase of my life where I just really started to open up with all the other kind of modalities that were out there for me. Now, I did my yoga teacher training in 2014. I went to Spain and did my yoga teacher training. So I was in Spain for three weeks. And part of my yoga teacher training was to meditate every day. Now, at this phase of my life, I was very early 20s, and I did not love to meditate. I did not maybe get the same level of value from it because I was still in my own mental resistance. I just wasn't at that phase of my journey to really be able to see the big picture, to really be able to drop in. I'm sure there was times that it brought me clarity and stillness and grounding, but to really have the big picture of what I was doing, uh, how I was working with even my own neuroplasticity, I just didn't have that kind of zoomed out perception. It's just something that felt uncomfortable. And I think that that is something that we all feel as we try meditation. And that's kind of the biggest response I get is, oh, I could never just sit in stillness. I couldn't be alone in my own thoughts. And that's something that when that is the thought that arises, that is something to really dig in and explore because we need to be able to be alone with ourselves because that is going to be such an illumination on how we feel about ourselves on our level of self-love of, you know, our level of self-trust just to open up that space for us to really reflect and go inward. But when, when, when we can really not sit in stillness with ourselves, we most likely also have a very active inner critic and we have probably built a life now around buffering around avoidance and around staying as far away from that inner critic and inner dialogue as we can. And we want to create a life that we love to live and we need to be able to sit in stillness with ourselves. We need to be able to unpack anything within us that might be keeping us stuck or might be creating a block for our healing and expansion. And it's something to note that when we are on healing journeys, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to have some moments that feel really yucky. And that can really be 
the part that deters people. They start moving through these practices. Maybe they start meditating, journaling, having some guidance from external sources on their path as well. And they hit these points where it feels like internally they are just in turmoil. They are in chaos. They, you know, do have a hard time sitting with themselves because now they're peeling back the layers and it feels raw and it feels vulnerable and it feels really yucky and they just stop. And it's like they push everything back down in the box and put the lid back on and just run as far as they can. And maybe you've had this experience and it's normal to have this experience where we start to peel back the layers of our own personal growth and it feels so scary to have to face what is actually holding us back. And it is so layered. We probably have some childhood layers. We probably have some layers with relationships. We have some layers with friendships. We have so much layered experience in there. And I'm going to say, you know, a really good portion of it is, you know, those core experiences in childhood as well that really built core beliefs that we don't even know are in that box. And we so don't feel ready with dealing what's in that box. So we put the lid back on and we push it away and we get as far away from that box as we can. But for us to grow, for us to evolve, we need to be able to unpack the box and we need to be able to take inventory of what's in there, to let it breathe, to give ourselves some space to move forward. Because when we don't unpack what's in that box, what we're left with is triggers, unmanaged triggers, where we're not even doing the self-work to find the root of why we feel like that. So then we become humans with really active inner critics, really intense triggers that are unmanaged, that we are now reactive humans instead of responsive humans. And there's a big difference there. There is such a big difference in, in having a response where you've taken time to like process and respond in a way that is calm, grounded, and aligned versus reacting on a trigger where your immediate response might be like a bite back. And you might have that time after where you're like, I can't even imagine that I responded like that. That's so out of character for me when there's a layer in there, there's a reason why that happened. And it's just unpacking it. And meditation really is your pathway in. It is your pathway into doing the deep work. Even if you're not actively uncovering a trigger or what is happening, things will start to peel back. Things will start to dissolve as you start walking this path. And meditation is also a tool to work with your neuroplasticity, where you are creating new pathways, new neural pathways. Like this is your tangible tool that meditation does have a lot of connection with the spiritual spirituality world, but it is very prominent with a science foundation. So if you are someone looking for like data, looking for tangible reasons why you should meditate, there is so much grounded, rooted evidence as to why you should meditate and studies showing you how it's actually changing your brain function. So there is a lot of great data there. Even Huberman Lab podcast has 
a ton of great episodes, not just one, many great episodes. He is a big proponent to breath work, meditation, yoga, nidra as well. He has a lot of great kind of context on just weaving in some of the different modalities. And one of the things Huberman Lab is really supportive of is breath work. He really um, advocates for the, I think it's the conscious breath where it's two deep inhales or the physiological breath, two big inhales in, one exhale out. He did a lot of studies on breath work and that is one that has been found to be the most effective. And some of the benefits of both breath work and meditation are just going to be the improvement to your cognitive function that you are going to be clearer, you're going to have better focus. So there's a lot of great benefits there just even on starting your day with mental clarity. Now, it does take about eight weeks of consistent practice to start to see the actual physiological benefits of meditation. So it's a practice that takes time and continues to get better. Now, when you're on your meditation journey, something that can also become a barrier is this expectation you have of yourself. And our minds are kind of programmed to think very black and white and to think either pass and fail. And meditation is a practice that really challenges that, that there is no bad meditation. And it's knowing that, that we all will have meditation sessions that are chaotic, that maybe we didn't really drop in and find that place of like clarity and calmness and silence. And I myself, as someone that meditates regularly, some weeks are great. I feel like I got to a really kind of deep and clear place. Other weeks, there is a lot going on in my noodle and like, it just doesn't quiet that there's a lot of mental chatter and it's learning to kind of ebb and flow with your own meditation journey and just let what shows up, show up. And one of the biggest things of meditation that we need to realize is you're not going into a meditation trying to silence your thoughts. That's not the goal. You're going into a meditation trying to notice your thoughts. So there's a big difference there. And now we can see that tie-in of the practice of detachment where we're noticing our thoughts, we're not engaging with them, we're not trying to influence them, and we're not trying to stop them. We're just noticing. That's all. Think of meditation as being the witness. Now, we all have a constant inner dialogue. It is that, you know, just chatty voice that is always going. And it does not often silence. I find the practice of meditation, the amount my mind ruminates is much less. So that has really silenced. Now, it's also communicating that to others that when they have a really active inner critic, when they have maybe a really negative inner dialogue, when there's always a lot of chatter, and you know, maybe they're always just in that kind of inner chaos that like that can change. And it's knowing that that what your inner voice sounds like does not need to stay like that forever, that you actually have the power to change that narrative. And that is so cool. And as someone that has had an inner voice that was very much in her victimhood, I am so grateful that I have had the power to change that narrative because previously in my journey, my inner voice was so stuck and so weak and so in her victimhood. And I'm so glad that I realized that I'm not a victim. 
I'm so glad I realized that I had the power to keep moving forward and anything that did not serve me, I had the power to change. So it's knowing that as well. It's truly knowing the impact of mindset work, of meditation, that meditation is the practice that just ripples throughout our life, that we are changing the way our brain functions. We are changing the way we really receive and respond to things in our daily life. We're building this ability to detach that when we start building this ability to pause, which that's what meditation is, it's a pause, it's having something happen in your day. And instead of having this triggered response, how can I take time to stay in my grounded center and respond from a place of alignment? And it's also starting to kind of shift that perception that what if all circumstances were neutral? They are, all circumstances are neutral. We are the ones that attach a feeling. We are the ones that create a tone and a narrative to a circumstance. And meditation can be a pathway into kind of taking that back, that power. Now, in meditation, sometimes my mindset is really chatty. Sometimes I get more stillness. Sometimes it's also a space where I get a lot of clarity and breakthroughs, where I will have something kind of present within me And it's almost just like that inner calling, like I've stilled things enough to be able to listen to my inner wisdom, which has been probably one of my most rewarding aspects of my meditation journey, just bringing more clarity to my own inner wisdom and just kind of like following that flow with the universe. I feel a lot more kind of connected to my own path. I feel a lot more connected to noticing the synchronicities in life that when we're too much in our own chaos, we don't notice the synchronicities that are aligning to kind of create our path and, you know, this divine purpose that we may feel we are being called to. So it's also just given me space to kind of open up to so much more where we kind of just build that ability to zoom out. Now, when I started building my meditation practice, it was very small and it was very incremental and that's why it was successful. So I started with just a five minute timer and I would sit with my eyes closed and knowing that a timer was going to go off, I felt okay and I felt safe to sit for those five minutes and it felt easy. And that is going to be one of the really important factors when it comes to creating sustainable habits is we need to reduce the resistance that if this is a habit we want to sustain, we need to have that little bit of a challenge that it's going to feel like an accomplishment and and empowering, but it needs to be easy enough that we can do it every day. And I was at the phase of my life where I was coming into a different routine. Previously, I'd been prepping for bodybuilding competition. So that was a lot more demanding. So I waited until my contest preps were over where I just had the capacity to take on something else. And I knew I needed to be in a place where I had that capacity because I knew when I dedicated myself to building this practice that I really wanted it to be sustainable and I wanted it to be a long-term habit, that it was something really important to me to have integrated into my life. So I started slow and I built from there. So 
So I started with five minutes and kind of slowly progressed from there, 10 minutes, 15. Now, I do think there's a lot of benefit in having the opportunity to do some guided meditations. I think it can take us a lot deeper and also opening up to just all the different things and tools in meditation that can amplify our experience. So after my own kind of personal journey transitioning into meditation, I actually signed up to do a meditation and breathwork course. Now, it was five times a week. We did it from 6.30 a.m. to 7.10. So, you know, my meditation time is always early prior to the kids being up. And this is something that just was so expansive for me. Now, having a live session was really supportive because I had that commitment. So we have that bit of pressure. Now, I wasn't having trouble showing up for myself and following through on my meditation, but I do think that there is just so much benefit to having like a time and just that commitment, that accountability that you know if you show up or not. Um, so I think there was just a lot of benefit there and I got to really explore some different breath work modalities. And this really opened up my mind that breath work is the anchor of meditation. And it's something that really should be paired together or even a little bit of breath work, even, uh, Huberman lab, Huberman labs, physiological breaths. That's something that can really prime you for meditation, but it prepares your body, it prepares your mindset, it gets your body kind of active and alert enough that you can be present in meditation that maybe you're not too sleepy. And it's also a really great tool to really clear and ground our energy that this is still energy work we are doing. And Breath work is your meta is your anchor in meditation. So if ever your mind starts to wander, if you're doing a silent meditation, you know, breath is your anchor. Now there's again, a lot of different tools that I think are of really great value. So you can do mantra in meditation. There's a lot of different mantras you can integrate into your meditation. Satnam is one of my favorite mantras. I use it in my breath work. I use it in my meditation a lot. And it just means the presence of truth. And it's something that does really connect with my energy. So I say that one a lot. Now, a mantra can be whatever you want it to be, that it does not mean it needs to be overcomplicated. You can just in your mind say surrender, surrender, surrender. You can say let go, let go, let go, but bring your mindset back to that anchor point and it's really going to help if your mind is wandering. Now, your mind in your mantra still might wander off that it is a lot of discipline to stay focused on that mantra during your meditation time. So being aware of that, and it's okay. It's, you know, when your mind has wandered, you just bring it back. You're not judging yourself. You're not trying to silence your mind. You're simply noticing, you're simply being present. Uh, and one of my absolute favorite integrations into meditation is binaural beats. So this is gonna be specific frequencies that are there to work with your brain waves. Now, there's going to be different levels of hertz that are for specific focuses. And um, this is something to really kind of dig into. I'm planning to share a post on my Instagram soon, going through just the different hertz and kind of those 
ranges and how it can integrate into your life, whether you're focusing, working on studying, whether you want to be getting into more of a subconscious layer, whether you want to get deeper into meditation, just there's different layers that it can be integrated into the practice. And even to be listening to binaural beats. So in each ear, it's best in headphones because it will be different beats in each ear, binaural. Um, there are so many benefits to even getting to your subconscious layer and pairing that with like an affirmation or mantra. What you're doing is actively working to reprogram your subconscious, which that is going to be where our programming and conditioning lies. So those really active and intense triggers that arise, this is a really great pathway in to start working with them, to start working with resolving them. So it's just something to kind of keep in mind. And our triggers are just such great opportunities that when you have a moment and you're like, wow, I'm triggered, where a trigger is going to be like a response that you have but your response doesn't actually match the transgression. So maybe something happens and maybe someone cuts you off in traffic and your response is like volatile where you feel enraged, you feel disrespected. Like it just really is amplified. And you know, if you were in your grounded center, you would be like, oh, they cut me off. Like, you know, I'm mildly irritated. They did not notice me. And then you move on with your day. But Sometimes like you'll have a little transgression and it literally lingers with you for the whole day, maybe multiple days, and you just can't shake it. You know that that triggered something else, that it is bringing up a memory of an experience from another time, but the energy signature was the same. And that's why it's triggering you. So it's noticing that as well. Like we all have these triggers that are triggered by an energy signature. So it's knowing that when that arises, that's your opportunity to explore. That's your opportunity to sit with it. Like, why is this my barrier? Why is this my block? And maybe nothing will come through at that time. Now, in my experience, sometimes I'll get some clarity at the point of trigger. Oftentimes, I will get kind of clarity on just my own personal barriers in just random bursts where I'll, I'll get a little bit of a flashback, a little bit of a memory. And I pay very close attention to the memories that are arising because sometimes they arise to be let go of that. It is arising and it's almost like a test. Like, is this odd memory arising to like trigger shame, you know? And if you have memories arise and you feel emotion attached to them, that's also a really great indicator that there's something stuck. There's something that needs to be worked through. And for myself, some ways that I love to move stuck energy are going to be breath work, you know, meditation, really digging in and doing the work when I know I need to. And I do meditate regularly. I typically meditate five to six days a week. So I'm either taking the weekends off or one weekend day off. And that's something that feels really good for me that I'm regular, but I also think there's benefit in having that little bit of grace and flexibility that sometimes we can start to get really rigid in these practices. And I think that's something that can also start to feel just really suffocating when we start to paint this picture of it must be this way. I can never miss a day. Then we've also kind of hooked in our own ego that it's part of our identity. And I think identity can be a tool, but it's also knowing that the foundation of your identity is your ego. And 
you know, why can't you miss a day would be my question. So that is the balance that serves me that I'm not hooking into ego in the way that I must do this every day, where it's very organic, and I want to do this. And it's part of my routine. And it also just helps align for coming into my motherhood as well that having this dedicated space, I'm either able to kind of come into my motherhood and just feel aligned for the day that I'm starting with that kind of fresh slate, fresh mind, grounded energy. Even if my kids wake up and maybe they're not on that level, that's okay. I know I've done my self-work. I know I've really had that time of deep reflection. Now, being a mother that meditates, I want you to know that it is not a lovely, peaceful journey all the time. Yesterday morning when I came to do my meditation, now sometimes if my kid, my kids will be up earlier, so they come into my meditation space. Now I'm very dedicated that if my kids come into my meditation space, now they're six and seven, so it's not an emergency. They can stay independent for the time I'm committing to meditation. But if they come into my meditation space and I'm typically in my routine, I won't break. I won't come out of my meditation to answer their questions. And they know that, like they know they won't get a response from me. So typically they don't ask me questions. They will sometimes just sit in silence. They will observe. And I try to create space so they can do that. Like I never tell them they must leave. Like if they want to sit in my space. And I also think that they're probably sitting in my energy, like soaking up the vibes that I'm calling in and pushing out. So I think that's lovely as well for them to just see me practicing and how cool to raise kids that they think my daily meditation is normal and just what adults do. I also think that's really cool. And I think they'll be more inclined to explore a meditation practice when they're older, because they do know it's part of my routine. They'll even ask me, have you done your meditation yet? Because they know that's going to be the first thing I go and do. So I will just let them stay in my space. I won't break my meditation. There has not been a point yet where there's been an emergency and I've had to. So that's really nice. They'll sometimes be goofing around. And when I'm done my meditation and I've closed out my meditation, I will remind them that my meditation space is a quiet space um, and just keep practicing. And they'll learn to be you know, respectful of that space for me, but I do stay in my meditation. Now to show you that meditation and motherhood is not just a peaceful experience all the time. Now they will come down and fart around, but yesterday my daughter came down and farted and like, <laughs> I'll have moments where like, you feel that like bubble up of like trigger inside of like, as I'm in my meditation, but like, that is my practice, right? To surrender that I'm not responding to anything that bubbles up that I'm able to just let it go. But yeah, my daughter literally like stood beside me and farted. I'm like, cool. And I've definitely given her a little, a little rib about it since we've had, had a good giggle on it, but like that is motherhood where it is just not always glamorous. Most of the times not glamorous for what actually happens behind the scenes, but we push on and it is so reflective of the practice that meditation is the practice of detachment, of letting go, of not letting things get your goat, where you're able to just surrender and move on. That 
any feeling that arises, it is my choice whether I attach a feeling to a circumstance or not. Like I want to remind myself that I am in control, that it is my choice. And that's something I try to teach my kids as well, that they really have the choice and the power. They have the choice and the power to be joyful. They have the choice and the power to let go of anger when they feel anger, that they really are in control and their minds and brains are so powerful. I do integrate a lot of breath work into my motherhood. And I really see the payoff now because as my kids get a bit older, they, even when they were younger, they will ask to take deep breaths with me when they're feeling really elevated. Now, it can be hard in motherhood sometimes to like sit and do breath work when that energy is really elevated, but it's also a gift to both of us that in that moment when maybe I don't feel like doing breath work, it is such a nice experience to be asked to do breath work. So I think that is very cool that that's kind of integrated into their human experience that they are building and cultivating these skills that will truly serve them. So it's so rewarding to see that just starting to weave in as they get older, as they really become independent and autonomous, like they are their own people, but it's cool to see how my motherhood has just created space for their own curiosity, exploration, and tools that serve them. So meditation is also a practice that is going to help you regulate your nervous system. And your nervous system is one of the most important aspects of your health and wellness that you do need to care for. It is your job to care for it. If you're finding yourself in elevated states often, that is a really good indicator that your nervous system is not regulated, that you should not be feeling like you're in a state of fight or flight all the time. It should be very rare that you are feeling that, you know, sense of internal chaos or panic. Now, I am someone that can experience anxiety. Now, I say that differently this time because I have become very aware that I see my anxiety, like I own it, like it's my curse. And that is something I'm making the commitment to myself to let go of. It is not my anxiety. I do not have anxiety. I can feel sensations of anxiety. I can feel anxious, but it's not mine. And I can let it go. And I have that power to let it go. And I am just really focusing on in my own personal journey to release my ownership of anxiety. Because sometimes when we are taking ownership of these things, it becomes a narrative and a story. And again, can be something we repeat in our head that starts to hold us back. You know, the more I repeat in my head, my anxiety, this, my anxiety, that I'm, you know, it just, it becomes repetition. And I am literally conditioning myself and my body to be anxious because it's a story that I have on repeat and loop in my head. What happens when I let go of the story? What happens when I decide I no longer have anxiety, that I feel sensations of anxiety, but it is not mine. I do not have ownership over it. So that is a little bit of my own kind of self-exploration that I'm just changing the way I view it and I'm changing the way I verbalize about it. But those sensations will be very parallel when our nervous systems are deregulated. And the sooner we can kind of tap in 
when we are in a deregulated state, the sooner we can get proactive in regulating. Now, there's going to be many things that bring us back into that parasympathetic nervous system where we are regulating, where we are coming back into that rest and digest after being in a fight or flight state. Um, and some of them we don't always even consider. Now, meditation is going to be one, of course getting good sleep, having nourishing meals, keeping your body hydrated, moving your body. There is nothing more therapeutic than actually getting stuck energy out of your body. Like for me, training is very therapeutic where I train very hard. I'm always giving it my best and I'm always pushing myself to uncomfortable places. And that's what really helps me like let go. Like it feels like a surrender and I love that. And I'm very dedicated to my strength training. We can also do some forest bathing. So lay in the forest, lay in the woods, stare up at the sky, look at the trees, disconnect. You know, our society is so plugged in. You don't have to be. If you feel being plugged in is now taking away from your wholeness and your wellness, unplug. If you feel like you cannot go without electronics, unplug. Those are red flags. You don't need that. Now, for me and myself, um, I am someone that my career is very connected to social media and technology, et cetera. But I can also put kind of healthy boundaries when I need to like pull back and pull back into myself where I'll do different things that if I'm feeling overstimulated, I'm just not going to consume content. And I don't have a problem with that. And I think also when we get into places and spaces where we can no longer create and we're someone that typically does do content creation, stop consuming. And that is going to be your best medicine for creation that we often need to consume less to create more. So remember that as well, that consumption is always going to start to inhibit your own natural flow of creativity. So sometimes we need to unplug and that may look a little bit different for everyone. Next, you can walk barefoot. This can be called earthing. So just connecting to the earth, even laying on the grass. These are all ways of having somatic experience where you're starting to focus on being embodied. When we went on our Soyuz trip this past summer, just in July, um, I just laid in the tide and just felt the water kind of washing over me and felt the sand and looked up at the sky. And when I was too cold from the water, I went to the top of the hill and just laid in the sand, buried myself in sand and just kind of focused on like sinking in to that somatic experience of connecting with earth. And I don't feel that I've done that a lot where my intention has been just really to kind of tap into that flow of energy of the earth. But that was a somatic experience that just I really loved and helped me get really embodied. And it can look whatever you want it to look like, whatever feels good. I was talking about this on my social media this week as well, just that our journeys, our healing journeys, our growth journeys don't need to look a certain way. And the sooner you can let go of that, the better that our growth and healing journeys should be in organic unfolding. They should be following the breadcrumbs of synchronicities of, you know, maybe you do this thing this month and it serves you and you get growth and you're ready to move on to something else. And I can really, really see this weaved into my own personal journey, even just with the influences that I find growth from, um, you know, 
maybe last month I was listening to some Wayne Dyer. This month I've started kind of digging in a little bit more to Joe Dispenza. Now Joe Dispenza offers some really phenomenal guided meditations. Now his meditations, I feel, take me to a really kind of deep state, almost like a little bit of hypnosis, really gets into that subconscious layer. So I think that he is a really phenomenal person voice to do some guided meditations with. And he also has some books that really dig in to um, that neurological aspect of your journey and even how meditation is going to integrate in. Now, some other kind of forms of caring for your nervous system and regulating it are cold water exposure. So to the back of the neck, where you're going to be hitting the vagus nerve is going to be a way of regulating also splashing cold water on your face. So if you're not into the cold shower, that's okay. You can also splash cold water on your face. You know that sensation where you splash cold water on your face and you feel like you're going to gasp or you gasp? That's kind of the sensation you're looking to trigger and it will help regulate your nervous system. So lots of really great things that you can integrate, even having a hug. Having a hug helps regulate your nervous system inversions help regulate your nervous system. So getting your head below heart in any fashion is an inversion. So child's pose, I've been working on some of just my headstands against the wall with some support, kind of building into it. They're not very natural for me, but working on it and kind of challenging those parts of myself that don't feel strong as well. And just growing those little skills or things that I want to build just in the way that it'll compile over time. And nervous system regulation is something to just really think about and reflect on. And it is really one of the core foundations of our wellness, especially how it integrates into our mental wellness that we need to be able to regulate. We need to be able to self-regulate that it's gonna have a big impact if our nervous systems are not regulated then that means our bodies are going to be in fight or flight, our cortisol levels are going to be increased. And that stress will also impact our health, that it is not just something that's, you know, quote unquote, in our mind, it's going to be in our body as well, there will be that integration. And there are so many good studies on how that mental stress is going to start to present in a physical manifestation, whether it's heart conditions, whether it's autoimmune, there is a lot of really great research in that mind body connection. So caring for your nervous system and caring for your mental wellness is important. And we want to have all those pieces working together. So just another kind of piece on how meditation really does integrate into your mindset, your mental wellness, you know, your physiological wellness as well, that it really is the big picture that's all encompassing and, you know, doing mindset work or caring for your mental wellness in any capacity, like should be still the foundation of our health that, you can work out, you can eat well, but if you're not managing your stress levels, there's going to be a really big impact and you're going to feel it and it will have an effect mentally and physically. So, you know, seeing that tie in and in my own personal meditation journey, like I've really felt an unfolding where I am able to self-regulate in a different capacity. I am able to have a pause in my response Now, I'm not perfect, but I'm also able 
to forgive myself in a different way where I'm able to let go of things that didn't serve me or maybe moments I didn't show up in a way that I felt was in alignment with who I wanted to be. We all have those moments. We all have those moments where we could have done better. We feel we could have done better and we need to be able to let it go. We need to be able to forgive ourselves so that we can move forward so that we can grow. And that's something I try to actively practice as well. Just letting go the parts of myself that I don't feel are in alignment with my highest good. And you could also call that shadow work. Another layer of our healing journey. Um, and it's okay. We all have our shadow. And that's something that I've also kind of had realizations on as well. Just I've realized that different parts of me when something doesn't feel good, I'm like, oh, that's my shadow. Like I would say, um, as an example, like a shadow of me would be being seen as not a hard worker or someone with a poor work ethic. Like that's a shadow. Like that's a fear that I could be viewed that way where, you know, kind of digging a little deeper. Well, why does someone else's perception on my work ethic affect how I feel or how I feel about myself that I don't need external validation to be a whole and worthy version of myself. So just that is what the journey looks like. We start to unpack anything that is kind of standing in our way. I hope you have enjoyed this kind of deep dive into meditation. Now, if I had any advice to someone starting a meditation, it would be consistency. It would be bringing your discipline along with you on this journey that there may be some days that you don't want to show up to the commitment you've made to yourself, but there is no higher commitment than the one you made to yourself. And you really deserve to uphold those promises you make to yourself that if you want to create lasting, sustainable habits, that starts with your follow through and also setting a realistic expectation. Maybe you start with three times a week and it's five minutes and that's what you're, you know, signing up and committing to be adherent with that, be disciplined and build it from there. Now, I really like using frequency as a tool for building sustainable habits. So when I started with five minutes, I did do it every single day and I didn't take any days off because I really wanted to build a lot of strength in that foundation. Now, once I got into longer sessions, so right now I'm typically setting aside 30 to 40 minutes for breath work and meditation. And that's why I'm okay doing it five to six times a week versus doing it every single day that I'm okay that I maybe have a morning or two where my morning routine looks a little bit different. Um, and that's something that feels really balanced for me. But I also know up, know that I show up and that having a couple days off is not creating a barrier for me showing up, that I'm disciplined, that I know it's part of my routine that, and I know it's something that serves me. So using frequency as a tool, showing up with discipline to this commitment you're making to yourself, letting yourself have moments that maybe that voice arises that says, this is silly. I don't want to do this. I'm not seeing any benefit. I don't feel any different. Knowing that that voice may arise and knowing that you also don't need to attach emotion to those thoughts and knowing that you are not your thoughts. They are just simply things that arise within you and you have the choice to let it go. Now, next, starting to explore some of the tools that are really there to amplify 
your meditation experience. So you can try guided meditations, you can try binaural beats, you can try mantra, simply even just repeating a word, but just starting to kind of weave in some different things that just may amplify your experience and help you drop in a little bit deeper. And giving yourself enough time when it comes to your meditation journey to really experience some of the cycles of what will happen in your practice, where you have days or weeks that feel really chatty and unfocused. You have days and weeks where you feel really clear. You have days and weeks where maybe you feel like you are getting some breakthroughs, which that is my favorite, where I feel like I am just getting kind of messaging coming through that is my deep wisdom and guidance. And I feel like it has helped me just really navigate my own journey. And also it's just given me that kind of clean slate and clear energy to pull manifestations into reality where we need that clarity in our energy field to bring what we want to into reality. I would love to know what you thought of this episode. This was actually a lot of fun to record and talk about that it's something I am just really passionate about that has had such an impact on me and you know where I'm at now from where I was 10 years ago where I thought meditation was silly and tedious I'm just really proud and it has taken me a long time for years I thought I wanted a meditation practice and it was just that thing I never did and when I was ready to become consistent with it and I knew it was the right time to integrate I did but I also had all the other foundations in my lifestyle really solidified where I was able to add another layer. So it's knowing that as well, that your journey is going to ebb and flow and we continue to add in layers, but we need that strong stability aligned first. And then we add in another layer and it's always meeting ourselves with this open curiosity where it doesn't need to be perfect. Maybe you meditate for a month and you drop the practice and it happens and you're human. And I hope you come back to your practice too, that that's part of the journey, just always coming back to it. And it doesn't matter how long you've been away from anything, from the gym, from your nutrition, from your daily steps, from whatever it may be, does not matter how long you've been away. What matters is that you find your way back. Thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your day. If you could take a screenshot, if this episode brought you value or resonated with you, you can tag me at Emily Nicole Fit on Instagram, leave a comment, leave a review. I would love to hear your feedback and insights and otherwise enjoy the rest of your day.